support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between three and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Raised lettering. Pale nimbus. White. Impressive. Very nice. Mm. Let's see Paul Allen's card. Subtle off-white coloring. A tasteful thickness of it. Oh my god. It even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. Candy is here. JHairPositiveSarcasm.com Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio we Happy Wednesday, everybody You can find me on the social media The icons are on the watching the video Put the icons impressively in the bottom of the left hand side Oh my god, did you talk to Sarah yesterday? Oh, you check out her new Ah, uh, You can find me on those social media You can also find me on YouTube, Positive Sarcasm And Positive Sarcasm Podcast Sorry about Sunday, I accidentally deleted the video Yeah, I do that sometimes Oops uh, even the biggest podcasts accidentally do that, except for Joe Rogan, because he's the shit, and he's got an awesome producer. Who is back? Happy wishes to, uh, well, wishes to uh, the powerful young Jamie Vernon, who has recovered uh, easily off of COVID. He had it for like a day, took a good healthy shit, and he's pretty much back to normal. Uh, if you guys haven't watched the new uh, Rogan podcast with uh, Alex Jones and Tim Dillon, it's freaking stupendous. You got to go check that shit out. It's insane. It's way better than the Kanye interview. Anyways, I got this dog who just, would you fucking leave me alone? No, okay, don't leave me alone. Can you just, like, no, no, we can't. We can't do this. We can't do this every podcast. We're, fucking pitbulls, man. I'm telling you, they just want to sit on your fucking head. They are, oh, I just can't, he's so soft, 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 so yeah, anyways, you can find me on all social media, I get, you know, 
I, the, the, you know what I love about this dog and the fact that I'm completely – okay, I got a bunch of candy right here. Finally, the candy came in for Halloween and all that stuff. So I got um, – I was like, what am I going to do for this year? Because last year was about – Chase, if you want to freaking be over here. There you go. Thank you. The last year it was – I kind of had to do a last-minute shopping because shit ran out really quickly. So I was like, uh, okay, what am I going to get for candy for the kids? And I was like, all right, we'll go with easy ones. We'll go with the Smarties as backups and we'll go with charms and dum-dums as the primary go-to's charms blow pops are a great cheap holiday hey stop doing that would you um charms blow pops is a great lollipop to go to if uh you don't want to spend a ton of money on the kiddos but you don't want them to egg your house afterwards so definitely go with the charms blow pop because you can do one or two if you want to go that route depending but they get that gum. They get that gum afterwards, so they don't feel totally cheated. Uh, and especially nowadays, you get a bunch of kids who don't even fucking dress up. So that's the most annoying thing. If you're gonna show up, dress up, please. Dress up as something. All right. Even and see, the thing is, is I, as the person who gives out the candy, does not have to dress up. You, as the person who wants to get the sugar, the high fructose corn syrup, has to dress up. Has to. And since we can't give out baked cookies or anything moderately decent this year, we have to go with enclosed, like, you know, like a Reese's peanut butter cup, like in its packaging. You know, we can't slip the drugs in there anymore like we used to. So we have to pay a premium for processed shit. Therefore, you are going to have to step your fucking game up. I mean, and but I'm not. So that's the thing. Even if you do show up, you do have to dress up as something. I don't. But I am. I'm going as the cyberpunk character, as I normally do. Matter of fact, if you guys uh, are in, in, in the neighborhood on October 31st and you happen to see a uh, helmeted man wearing, uh, driving a uh, Ford Mustang GT convertible with the roof down in 30-degree weather, uh, that's me. That's, that's, that's most likely me. You'll know if you'll see it. But, uh, yeah, so this year I was like, okay, well, I got the Charms Bull Pops because they're a good go-to. But I was like, let me step it up a little bit more this year especially if you're going to be stopping by my place to pick up candy. Uh, this year I decided I wanted to get some Jolly Ranchers some Twi and some Twizzlers. First of all, last year I also had Twizzlers. You can't go wrong with, with Quickie Twizzlers. Uh, this, I have the Twizzler Pull and Peels. Overall, this was like, mm, I think it cost me like a grand total of like 40 bucks, like 40 bucks for all this stuff. And the idea is like I give out onesies because you're going you're gonna to be hitting like a whole neighborhood. You're going to get a shitload of candy. You're gonna get a sh a shitload of candy, and so you I you know I don't need to give you a whole thing. I don't need to give you a giant thing. However, I do think it's appropriate because we live in a capitalist society. If you do dress really really well, you like like the top three dress the best. They deserve to get like a big piece of candy. You could do that. So like a huge like last year I gave out like a giant Twix bar and like a giant Charleston Chew to like there was like this one little girl who was dressed like a super princess whatever. And I was like I was like hold on. And I just point. I gave her the, the the thumbs up, and I just grabbed the big giant thing, and she's like, "What the fuck is this?" So, um, that was pretty cool. But this year, I got the the party mix for so the Twizzlers pull and peel. I got the Jolly Ranchers going on, and then of course my my you know heavy hitters, the flagships. I decided to go with the recent peanut, Reese's peanut butter cups and the Kit Kat bars. So I've got a plethora uh, of strong sugar here. I think we're gonna be. I think we're gonna be good to go here for uh, Halloween, and I got my thing all set up. I've been doing some shooting, but 
I mean, after like last week's podcast where I pretty much went off for like a solid 30 minutes about like Oxycontin and stuff, sometimes I like look away. I sometimes think to myself, I, I take it, sometimes I get so serious. I forgot that the reason I do this is to be super creative and have fun. And sometimes I have like, sometimes I explore topics so deeply, I get kind of carried away and I get super serious. I forget that I'm supposed to be having fun, especially right now. It's important to be having a little fun, even if we are nearly... Uh, we aren't far away from total civil war. In the next 40 years, Apophis is going to hit us and destroy the planet. But, I mean, it's important to have fun. And sometimes I get a little carried away. I'm not apologizing for it. I really I dive deep, deep into topics and I truly feel and think about the topics that I bring to you are a valid reason. So if I'm bringing up a serious topic, it's for serious purposes. So, um, yeah, for, first of all, that was a good podcast. I was really into it. But I sometimes I, I want I need to remember like have a little fun sometimes you know not just go like you know hey have fun you know that's an order like just have a little fun just have a little fun crack some jokes try some new shit out remember when I'm shooting video get the angles remember I'm having fun I'm trying new things out even if they don't always pan out uh, if you can get across the finish line if I can get across the finish line with a concept or a product great and then go from there. Uh, but this is an idea. This is the whole idea of this podcast. You know, explore new topics, try new things, have a little fun. Uh, you know, show you show you some of the inner workings of you know, like Halloween is it's it's a thing where you you spend time and you you contribute to your community, saying that hey, the lights on. I give a shit about your kids. Uh, I want to reward them for dressing up and going out there in this time. Uh, so cool. I mean, I got I got them a bunch of candy, and I can't wait a few days from now to actually do that uh but in the meantime there are a bunch of topics that i had to get to also i didn't even fuck i was so busy looking up reading up on the articles today i didn't even bother to grab the q a for today so let me go grab that really quickly i'm not gonna run away i'm just gonna literally that just stroll down to what the fuck's this man dig.com has like the worst articles everything is so biased uh if it's q on like the global army of k-pop super fans yeah okay fucking k-pop they just you know they just find you know got rid of most of their uh their dog slaughter factories so k-pop can stick it the let me scroll down i should be able to locate it momentarily and we can get back to the plethora of articles that i have available there it is there it is there it is all right there's that all right so i had that sorry oh my god should i tell my team oh that's gonna be a freaking bonzo one so all right so the bad, the good news is, is I got candy. There's gonna be a Halloween because you know I live in a state that actually is open. Um, the here's the bad news. In twenty in twenty sixty eight, we're all dead. <laughs> That's the bad news. So uh, for a while, I have mentioned this and for a while that uh, in, in in past podcast about in twenty twenty nine there was a. There's an asteroid called Apophis. It's going to be passing pretty close to Earth. And it was originally ruled out that in some cases there was a keyhole. It was a marker point where if the, if it, the asteroid passed at this certain distance, it went, when it loops around, it could, be, it could come within a certain distance of Earth that would make it very dangerous for a possible impact. And anything above, I think it's 2%, Anything, uh, anything above two percent makes it uh, potentially hazardous. So let me look up. I'm gonna look up really quickly. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, hazard. Let's see. Asteroid. Let's see. Asteroid. 
percentiles. Percentiles. Did I even fucking spell that right? Uh, warns of 100%. Ooh, shit. When was that done? Asteroid percent binary and ternary near Earth. Okay. Here it is. Okay. Let's see. Radar discoveries near. Okay. So. Is this. Wait. 20. Is it ternary? I don't even know what this shit means. Brightest absolute magnitude known in any by Apollo. Cephasis. Dosis, the Hermes. I don't know what the okay. Binary and ternary asteroids detected by radar. There's a shitload of them. Hold on. Um, let's see. Asteroid percentile chart. Let's see. Dark star astrology. Let's see. How to find asteroids in your birth chart. I don't give a shit about astrology. This will show major asteroids in your chart for. If you have a particular asteroid in mind that will not show additional charts. List of exceptional asteroids, asteroids in astrology. Astrology is bullshit. Uh, asteroid and comet watch. NASA brings you the latest images and videos. I don't care about that. Nastro uh, asteroid uh, collision. That should do it. Asteroid collision percentile chart. That might be it. The Torino scale. There it is. Okay. So the Torino scale is a method for categorizing the impact hazard associated with a near-Earth object, NEOs, such as asteroids and comets. It is intended as a communication tool for astronomers and public that assess the seriousness of collision predictions by combining probability statistics and known kinetic damage potentials into a single threat value. So uh, the Torino scale, probability of impact... So, history and naming. Okay. All right. No hazard is white. Likelihood of a collision is zero. Normal is green. A routine discovery in which a pass is predicted that poses no unusual level of danger. Current calculations show extremely unlikely with no cause. Okay. Uh, yellow. Two, a discovery which routine with expanding searches of an object making somewhat close but not highly unusual pass near Earth while meriting attention by astronomers. There is no cause for public attention or concern. Three, a close encounter meriting attention by astronomers. Current calculations give it a 1% or greater chance of collision capable of localized destruction. Most likely new... Okay, that's a three. Four, a close encounter meriting... Uh, this is all in the yellow, meriting attention. A close encounter meriting attention by astronomers. Current calculations give a 1% or greater chance of collision capable of regional devastation. All right. Five, six, and seven are threatening. A close encounter, but still uncertain threat of regional devastation. Critical attention by astronomers needed to closely, conclusively weather a collision is, will occur if encounter less than a decade. If the encounter is less than a decade away, government contingency planning may be warranted. Six, a close encounter by a large object posing a serious but still uncertain threat. Uncertain threat. Critical attention by astronomers is needed to determine conclusively whether a collision is if the encounter is less than three decades away government contingency seven a very close encounter by a large object which is occurring this century posing an unprecedented but still uncertain threat of global catastrophe so they have um so each one so two three and four and then five six and seven it's uh how severe and then how big the ob how possible is it gonna hit and then this uh, i think it also how big is the object 
and then uh, eight, nine, and ten are we're fucked. Eight, nine, and ten is okay. Eight is cer- collision is certain, capable of causing localized destruction for an impact over land, possibly a tsunami if close offshore. Such events occur on average between once per fifty years and once per several thousand years. Nine, a collision is certain. So all three here are certain, capable of causing unprecedented regional devastation to a land in, in to for a land impact. Uh, a major tsunami or ocean impact. Such events occur on average once per 10,000 years or once and once per 100,000. 10. A collision is certain, capable of causing a global climatic ca- climatic catastrophe that may threaten the future of civilization as we know it, weathering, whether impacting land or ocean. Such events occur every once per 100,000 years. No object has ever been rated above a level 4. Okay. Objects with non-zero Torino ratings. 2002, uh, there was a couple. 2003, there was six. 2004, there was five. 2006, blah, 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 blah. All right. And then right now there was, let's go scroll down to 2020 if they have it. 2020, there was a 13-day observation. There was, it doesn't say which ones they were. 2020 NK, nothing at this time. So the one they're talking about is Apophis. We've talked about it, but apparently due to something, a new calculation method of travel, this one seems like, uh uh-oh. Like now it's like, now we're ramping it up. So let me read this article. This is by the Daily Galaxy. There's a bunch of them. This is one October 27th, uh, 60 million years ago. It has a huge fucking intro to this whole article. It's like, let's get to the point. All right. The pressure of the atmosphere in front of an asteroid started excavating the crater before it even got there. Da-da-da-da-da. All right, fast forward to Earth 2068. New observations of asteroid Apophis, noteworthy because of its extremely cro- approach. It, has a, 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 it will be close to Earth on Friday, April 13, 2029, when a 300-meter asteroid will become visible to the unnated eye as it passes by, passes within the belt of communication between satellites orbiting, orbiting Earth obtained by the Subaru telescope earlier this year. Reveal the effect of what's known as the Yarkovsky acceler- acceleration. So, um, okay, let's read that back. It will approach within, th- it's a 300 meter asteroid. It will become visible to the unaided eye. So you will actually be able to see it at night without any need of a telescope or binoculars or anything like that. You'll actually just be able to see it. Um, it's called, but here's the thing is, Super Telescope earlier this year revealed the effect of what's known as the Yarkovsky acceleration. The results show that the asteroid is drifting away from a purely gravitational orbit by about 170 meters per year, which is enough to keep the 2068 impact scenario in play. Uh, he spoke about the acceleration phenomenon that arises from an extremely weak force on an object due to non-uniform thermal radiation. This force is particularly important for asteroid Apophis as it affects the probability of an Earth impact in 2068. The effects of a Yarkovsky acceleration. All asteroids need to re-radiate as heat the energy they absorb from sunlight in order to maintain thermal equilibrium, a process that slightly changes the orbit of the asteroid. The orbit calculations were performed by uh, so on and so forth of the Jet Propulsion, JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, co-author of a paper that is presented to the 2020 Virtual Meeting of Diversion of Planetary Sciences. Prior to the detection of the Yarkovsky acceleration on Apophis, astronomers had concluded that a potential, this is one I talked about, 
that a potential impact in, with Earth in 2068 was impossible. The detection of this effect acting as a on Apophis means that the 2068 impact scenario is still a possibility. So right now, okay, let me continue. We have known for some time that an impact with Earth is not possible during the 2029 close approach, said Thon, who have been accurately tracking the motion of Apophis in the sky since his team discovered it in 2004. Further observations to refine the amplitude, the amplitude of the Yarkovsky effect and how it affects Apophis orbit are underway. Astronomers will know well before 2068 if there's any chance of impact. So it's still an unknown at this time. So 2029, we're fine. We're going to see it. We know who it is. It's got a name, and it's coming back. But the question is, is what else is there going to be? So we already have the me we already have the information on how fucksville we are. So uh do let's see. 20 meter. Okay, and then it talks about so probability of impact there is the Torino scale. The scale in meters is approximately the diameter of an asteroid with a typical collision velocity. So there's that. So where are we as far as the news cycle? So let's go news. Asteroid collision. Tracking seven space rocks to pass Earth this week. Execute the touch and go. Uh, let's see. Let's just do Apophis. Eight, because they will be mentioning it. So we'll just put Apophis. I hate coming back to this shit, but this is more this is more real than anything else. So I can just put Apophis and just put news. So Gizmodo's got an article. BGR has an article. RT has an article. So there is a bunch, and it, uh, let's see. Could still a new study reveals the god of chaos asteroid is speeding up, increasing the likelihood of it hitting Earth. So it's speeding up. Could okay. So who has? This is ten hours ago. Uh, may may crash into Earth. So let's do. Let's see. Let's do RT. Let's see what they have to say. Um, yes, 300 meters is pretty damn big. Well, actually, let's find out how big it is. Let's ask Google. How big is 300 meters? 300 meters is equivalent to 328.084 yards. Okay. So, let's see. How big is 300 meters to miles? 300 meters is equal to 0 0.186 miles. Oh. All right, shut up. So it's almost okay. So point one eight. So point eighteen miles. So the thing is almost like it's almost a quarter of a mile long. That's a pretty. That's pretty freaking big. Um. Now, as far as RT says, that planet killer da 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 speeds up in route to Earth. Could strike in 2016. Now, what else does it say about this? Um, the University of Hawaii at Manawa astronomer real critical new finding linked to large Earth asteroid to pass. Da, 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 da. Now, does it say anything about? I I always try to get past the lure and explain the situation. It talks about the Yarkovsky effect again, shifting into a collision course with Earth. Uh, past Yarkovsky effect. Taking into account. Taking into account the Yarkovsky, the 2068 impact scenario is still in play. Small, but non-zero. Okay, so we already talked about non-zero. That's green. 
So we're obviously, we are already in the, what is it, the yellow? I think we're in the yellow. Tolan along the da 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 Nastra's DHPL presented their worrying findings. Yep, we already talked about that. There is a 1 in 150,000 chance of Apophis hitting Earth on April. So zero, so less than 1%. So 0.00067% chance of Apophis hitting Earth in 2068. Um, however... Tolan believes his the risk might actually be closer to one in five hundred and thirty thousand, even with the latest revelations from his research. Okay, so we were just talking, so point zero zero six seven is a hundred one in one hundred fifty thousand. Tolan believes it's actually closer to one in five hundred and thirty thousand, even with the latest revelations finding. Okay, so oh good, they give an actual um size number to how big this friggin' thing is. So if it were to hit Earth, Apophis would strike with a force equivalent of 1.15, 1 so 1,151 megatons of TNT. Uh, Hiroshima was a, that, that was a uranium weapon, 15 kilotons. <clears throat> okay. So that that's pretty fucking big. So 1.151, one, see, megatons and kilotons. Kilotons is smaller than megatons. We're talking about, so if, it, if Nagasaki was 20 kilotons, this is 1,151 1, megatons because of how fast it's traveling into the atmosphere, its density, and how big it is overall. So as far as size-wise, if it's 300 meters long, traveling at 21,000 kilometers per hour, 300 meters, let's say, as big as the Eiffel Tower. As big as the Eiffel Tower, almost the size of the Empire State Building. And obviously wider and denser. Because, I mean, it's just solid rock, whereas the Empire State Building has air and concrete and there's open space. So it's not as heavy. So the Empire State Building is definitely not as heavy as a giant rock floating through space. So it's one thing if the Empire State Building was to enter the Earth's atmosphere and hit, it would actually, to be perfectly honest with you, it would probably disintegrate before it even hit Earth. And it would probably destroy, like, the Coliseum. That's it. It would probably destroy, like, a football stadium and probably cause a shit ton of damage and a lot of people would die. But an actual solid-sized rock, a solid rock the size of the Empire State Building were to hit Earth... That would be a fucking nightmare, an absolute nightmare. But right now we're talking about something less than 1%. Yeah, 0. 0.00067. So that's what they're talking about. Now, that's not a lot. They're just being ultra cautious, ultra, which, which is fine. I respect NASA and JPL and all these scientists being super cautious because and right now they're just doing the calculations on the Yurkov on those on those the what is it, the Yakovsky effect. Now let's go back to the other thing that we were talking about here. So they said right now, even what's to say one hundred one in one hundred fifty thousand chance. We got three zeros there. This could all just be hype. So we'll go back to where we were for, let's see, let's go back to all. 
and Torino scale. So the Torino scale, let's see here. Let's see, huh? Meriting attention by astronomers. So obviously if it merits attention, the news is going to pick it up and they're going to report it. I can't wait to get a new chair for the Spare Parts Studio because uh, this one always seems like I'm slumping. So, uh, a discover okay, meriting attention by astronomers. Number two, a discovery which may become routine with expanded research, with expanded searches of an object making somewhat close but not highly unusual pass near Earth. Okay. Number three, a close encounter meriting attention by astronomers. Current calculations give a 1% chance... Or greater of or greater chance of collision capable of localized destruction. So this is at one percent. Even at the case where, uh, let's see, regional devast regional devastation, one percent chance or greater. We're not even at one percent. So this one is like somewhere between like two and one at this point. It merits attention because, one, it's passing by really close, and, two, it's going to pass by again uh, 40 years later. So when you see something twice going zipping past Earth, you're going to pay attention to it, and they're doing the mapping on it right now. So that's the thing. But normal green is a routine discovery in which a, a, pa a, in which a pass near Earth is predicted but poses no unusual level of danger current calculations show the uh, yeah likely lead to a reassignment to a level zero so while they're working on that uh so that's where it is right now is like somewhere between one and one and two it would have to be something higher than two percent for us to really start freaking out because remember it has to be like okay is it going to pass and their concern is like, all right, is it going to, when it's pat, when it speeds up, if it's, is it going to speed up when it goes by our orbit? I mean, it could do that. It could be our orbit, the heat of the, the as it gets closer to uh, in range of the sun, is it going to heat up and start moving faster? Is that going to change the orbit? Remember, it was only like a 1% change. It could have been only 1% that stopped us, that stopped us from just being primates, a 1% deviation in thought or influence or drugs that stopped us from being monkeys to sending us into being the people that we are today. So that's 1%. So that 1% chance of this being potentially hazardous in 2068, which I believe was that 40 years from now, I could very well still be alive. If I don't have a fucking heart attack by then I could still that, that warrants attention. So at that point they want to pay They want to pay attention to it. They want to understand the art. And remember, this is like, there's another thing to consider is like while they're researching this object in the Yarkovsky effect, it, they're still searching for other stuff out there. New rogue planets or asteroids or comets are still being researched and recalculated at this time. So anything else that was considered to be a non-issue or like, oh, that one's going to be fine. Now they're going to be like, okay, well, what about this one that had a 0% chance of hitting? Well, the Yarkovsky effect, they're going to be recalculating that on all the dis recently discovered asteroids. And there's hundreds of them thousands of them that they research and they're like okay let's give it a new rating and then it change they take this into effect to see when it's going to pass by pass by if the yarkovsky effect or any of these new calculations or effects or science thingies that they had now it's like okay let's change the number to this is it going to change the trajectory at all as it gets closer to the sun because if it's passing through like for example 
like there's another article here about um where is it it's about voyager 2 so as voyager 2 goes in voyager 2 was launched in the 70s and it's now in interstellar space now there is a, a heliosphere as you get to the edge of interstellar in the edge of interstellar space and it's a density it's a it's a density level that can change the speed of objects as they head into interstellar space. So the question is, is as a asteroid passes into interstellar space or passes from interstellar space into our, uh, you know, solar system, does that change the speed of the object, the routing of the object? That's the good question. Like, so for example, we have an object known as Apophis, 300 meters in diameter, heading into our solar system. There are objects that we that are man-made leaving our solar system. Granted, smaller, but they're leaving. This one's from, uh, this is like a buzz news. So I've talked about Voyager 2 because that's amazing. Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 are amazing little satellites that we launched in the 1970s that for the past 40 years have just been heading out of our solar system. Um, the probe, let's see, and they should be, one of them is going to be online. They should be online for at least another couple of years, uh, until their power levels are so low, they basically have to shut off, but it's super cool. But it talks about as they leave, it talks about as they leave the heliosphere or they, has they, yeah, as they leave the heliosphere, um, it shows a higher density level is considered by scientists to be a more general feature of local interstellar medium. Now, what does it do? So, okay, the solar system is defined by a few boundaries. The one is called the one crossed by Voyager 2 probe is known as a heliopause, which is defined by solar winds. The heliopause is considered as the solar system's edge, and the space inside the heliopause is called the heliosphere. Given its name, the heliosphere is not a round sphere, but an oval tip pointed towards the direction of the solar system's orbit, and blah, 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 blah. The Voyager reported the density from interstellar space was comparatively, comparatively very low and was actually on the higher side than previously thought. The solar winds, which have an average proton and electric density, uh, three to blah, 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 blah. It was noticed the winds got fainter as it got farther away from the sun. So, okay, I'll read that back. It was noticed that as the Voyager 2 got farther away from the sun, the solar winds got fainter. So while Voyager 1 probed the detected plasma density of da-da-da-da, so it talks about numbers, it measured the same. Okay. So there was a, a, a change in solar winds, a change in density. I wonder, I'm just wondering how, as if this object has already moved into our solar system, if it hasn't already, I haven't really checked it. But if it moves into our solar system as it goes through the heliosphere, what does that help change its directory? I don't know. But that's there. Like I said, they're going, and as it passes by our atmosphere, and as it passes by our orbit, and as it gets closer to the sun, how does that change its density? How does it change um, its speed? And that's the thing that they're working on right now. Uh, that's I'm. This fucking text message here. Let's see. Okay. All right, so that's that's that. So I don't, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just more. It's it is interesting. 
the Torino scales is there is like right now in our solar system there's a rogue planet that's just kind of floating out there, but right now it's not doing anything else. Remember, any object that passes by, uh, like if a rogue planet was to pass by like Jupiter or Pluto or whatever, that can change a lot of things within our solar system. It can change a lot of things. For example, every planet in our solar system has their own orbit. So if a rogue planet or, yeah, if a rogue planet or an asteroid was to pass by any of those planets, if it, if it, if it, has any Im influence on the orbit, it can start to orbit that planet or it can slingshot around that planet and speed up in a direction that maybe we don't want it to. So these are actual issues that we have to take into account. So like, for example, if a rogue planet was to go, now, first of all, a rogue planet does, even in space, have a certain amount of density. So if it was to go by Jupiter, which is a huge son of a bitch, and get into its orbit, how does that change things? Does it change the trajectory of a rogue planet? Does it cause Jupiter to do something different? That can be, like, for example, there was a movie, uh, if you ever seen the movie Melancholia, it was probably uh, Lars von Trier's, some of his most interesting and less uh, graphic work. Melancholia, yeah, definitely his less graphic work. I don't know if you've seen movies like Antichrist or... Well, yeah, anti oof, Antichrist. Jesus Christ, that's a fucking weird one. Ugh, that's a one you watch it once and you're like, all right, we're good. There is a scene in there that just, ugh, I'm, I feel so bad for women. Whew. Good Lord. Um, So, yeah, Lars von Trier, it's a, Melancholia is about a planet known as Planet X, I think it is. Let me look it up. It's a very interesting movie. Let me go back to, I'm going to open up. Uh, let me go back to IMDb. Look up Melancholy. I think it's a very good movie. Uh, it's got a, it's yeah. Kirsten Dunst is in it. Um, actually, a big time Melon is it Melancholia? M A L. How do I fucking spell this movie? Melancholia. Let's see. Melon. Mel. How about Melon? M A L. There it is. Charlotte Gainsbourg's in it as well. You know Charlotte Gainsbourg is actually a very talented singer. Oh, Melancholia, rated R, 2011. Two sisters find their already strained relationship challenged as a mysterious new planet threatens to collide with Earth. So, what was the name? I think it was Planet... Uh, what is it? Okay, here's the storyline. On the night of her wedding, Justine is struggling to be happy, even though it should be the happiest day of her life. It was an extravagant event. Wedding paid for by her sister and brother-in-law, played by Keith or Sutherland. Um... Keep the bride and all the guests in line. Melancholia, a blue planet, is hurtling towards Earth, towards the Earth. Justine's sister is struggling to maintain composure with the fear of an impending disaster. Okay, so the reason I bring it up is in the movie, this this planet, planet uh, Melancholia, is supposed to, uh, according to everybody that's calculated it, and Keith or Sutherland, who's in the movie, has calculated what's going to happen is this planet is going to, this big fucking planet is going to slide right by us. It's literally going to go right by us and everybody's going to be able to view it and then it's just going to go away. Um, in the movie, not the end, I don't need to spoil it, but in the movie, when the, when it does slide by, it creates like an interesting, gravi like a slight gravitational effect, nothing really crazy, 
um like just like interesting like lights and maybe some light you know stuff like first of all it passes so close in the in the, in the main part where you see it it's a beautiful movie if a if a fucking moon or a rogue planet were to pass by that closely it would cause not even touching us not even touching us it doesn't even have to hit us it, it just has to to be that close it can cause so much damage just by driving by. Like you ever notice, like if you drive, if like if, a, if you're walking on the highway and a car drives by you, you feel the wind impact. Well, it's kind of the same thing, only with a giant fucking planet driving by you. Like for example, if okay, if it was to do that, it would cause massive gravitational waves in the ocean. It would cause massive uh, electrical issues. The amount, the idea that that mu- that giant of a planet is passing by could be dev like not not regionally but globally devastating. And it doesn't even have something that big would be glo- just passing by would be globally devastating, and it doesn't even have to touch us. Uh the idea of I wonder if there's any during the evening scene. Da 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 da. Yeah, I mean, you'd you have to watch it. Melancholia, I don't know if I gave it a, a good rating or not. I wonder what I did. I'll have to check it out. Actually, fuck it. We'll, we don't worry about that. But yeah, beautiful movie, um, depressing, uh, great uh, composition in the back, but quite probably one of the more easier um, Lars von Trier movies to stomach. So... But the idea of like something that big rolling by us would be devastating. They said that, I mean, first of all, when there's a full moon or when the moon is close to us, that changes tides. Just changes, it can change the tides. It can alter tides. Just, just the moon. But if the moon was like, you know, right outside your window, then everything, that would be completely different. It would, the tides would be so, they, they do. You can, the tides change depending upon the moon and all that other shit. It's it's amazing. But if like in, in this movie where if it was passing that closely, um, where it basically is how pat how close? How close did it pass? Um, where it does it where it takes up all of your horizon, yeah, it would cause massive damage. And then there's and then the movie continues on afterwards as, you know, there's the predictions of whether or not it's actually gonna hit. But Great movie. Um, at least now that I look back on it, yeah, pretty cool. And if say if a mo- if it was to hit, the the amount of damage it would cause before it hit would already it would already have devastated the planet. So for example, if something that big were to hit us, it would destroy the planet before it even entered the atmosphere. Like the amount of damage, it, yeah, that's because all that force coming towards us. There's all kinds of other shit going on beforehand remember just remember take this into account we have a a moon that is heavily influenced by us and it rotates that to the point that it rotates around it it goes around yeah it's literally just sitting here going we generate so much power as a planet that we have a moon that rotates around us and plus we have thousands of satellites that rotate around us as well. And yet, that small fucking moon 
causes the tides to change. Imagine what a giant planet would do. So that's something to take into account. So that's the one factor here. Now, as far as Apophis, I don't know. I'm sure they're looking into it. If you know, like I said, less than a one, less than one, one and one percent. So, but they did. It was a one thing worth mentioning that that was an actual factor that they were looking into that I wanted to bring up because I found it very interesting. It's like all of a sudden, wait a minute, this new this new calculation because this fucking uh, comet decided to get a suntan that all of a sudden it now has more potential to hit the Earth. So they're calculating all that stuff. And I, I and you know what's pretty cool about this is with this whole Yarkovsky effect, how is that going to affect uh, space travel? You know, if that has any indication at all. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very curious. And this is one of the reasons why we need to be multiplanetary people. We need to do that. So hopefully sooner rather than later. But Jesus Christ, the way things are going. Are we ever going to get out of this freaking... My hometown. Mm. Haven't started the coffee roasting yet. Next week. Is it next week? I think next week I'm going to order... Well, next week I'm ordering the Olympic barbell and the weights. And I'm probably going to be ordering the coffee as well. So hopefully sooner rather than later. So, all right, we're at 42 minutes, 43 minutes. Let's go ahead and get right to Q&A because it starts off really with a banger. If you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. You just click on, or you can go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the contact section. There is a donate link, a Venmo link, uh, and a there's a Cash App link, Cash App affiliation link, and a Robinhood link too if you want to start trading stonks and shit. Well, you can actually do the same thing with, with a cash app. You can trade stocks and crypto. So all those options to support the podcast are right there. So please, please do so. Um, anyways, let's finish up some Q&A. Should I tell my teen brother, excuse me, should I tell my teen daughter her new boyfriend is her half-brother? Our daughter, who is 17, sat us down last night and explained that she was in love with a 16-year-old neighbor next door. Instead of being delighted, as we've known the boy since birth, and they've been friends almost as long, my husband threw a fit and forbade her from ever seeing him again. When he shared his reasons for reacting the way he did, the world, my world, changed forever. Right after our daughter was born, my husband and I almost split up. I went through a really hard time between the hormones and the lack of sleep, and when I kicked him out of the house temporarily, he took refuge in another woman. He took refuge in other women. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good way to put it. I knew this already, but I had no idea he'd slept with a young single mom next door and fathered the boy who would become our daughter's best friend and eventually boyfriend. Our daughter's new boyfriend is her half-brother. I'm furious, not because of the cheating, but because neither of them told me, told me, I'm friends with the woman and think she's a fantastic mother for the record, although they both know, both, they both know, they both knew he was their, he was the father. <laughs> oh my God, this is a fucking mess. And because my husband, because my husband has a child that he never supported financially or emotionally. Any advice for navigating this? We should reach out to the boy and try to make up for years of negligence and secrecy, right? My husband thinks that we should never tell the kids and that I'm making problems where there doesn't need to be any, but I'm sick 
thinking about him having a child and ignoring him because he isn't as legitimate as ours. As well as his mother struggling to be a single mom when the father lives right next door. What is the best way to get our kids through this with the least amount of trauma? And how can my family do right by this innocent boy we've been neglecting? Oh, gee. Okay, so health-wise, that's the thing. I, my, my main focus here is, like, incest. Okay? That's my biggest that's my biggest concern. Is there like an, a health issue here? Like there are like certain countries where I think it's like either in not in India but in like in Jewish culture uh with the Hasidics and the Hasidic Jews and in Britain where the uh there's a lot of like India and Pakistani I you know that section of of town per se. Where they actually, I think you have to have like, um, there's genetic testing. So if you are going to, you know, roll with another chick from your, you know, from your roots, I guess, they have to check and make sure that you two aren't, you know, connected so far down the line that when your baby is born, he doesn't have opposable thumbs. So there is that consideration to be had. So uh, there, there is that to be, con there is that to consider. Uh, that that's one thing. In the Hasidic, they, they tend to keep. That's the another thing. In Hasidic uh, uh, communities, like in New York City, there are they're very they stick close to home. All right, and they kind of keep to them their own. That's another thing to consider. You can't you can't inbreed. You can't be so close in the lineage that, because there's genetic defects that are prone to happen. This is also known with uh, British. Uh, royalty, that's another thing to consider. There's significant genetic and health defects that can occur when you stick too close to home. Um, isn't it amazing that we live in a country where it's like in one place it's, it's fucking, you know, there, it's perfectly okay to like riot and shit. And then in another country, like, and then like another section of like the country, you can like almost marry your fucking sister. I don't know. It's just a random thought. I didn't really think it through, but anyways, um, so that's one thing to consider. That's the that's my biggest issue is health wise. Yeah, I get it. They're young and in love and blah blah blah. And you know maybe they you know they they bop each other a couple times, but it's like, oh shit! What if she what if she does get pregnant? What I mean, what then? That's like the ultimate. Oh Christ! It's like oh we have so much in common. Uh, the fo the factor is is like. I, that's my biggest concern. All right, so let's let's stick to let's stick to the basics here. Is there a possibility for genetic issues, like is that and legal issues here? That needs to be addressed first. Second of all, first of all, did he did your husband come clean with you? Yes. All right. Well, it's a start. And yeah, you had some problems back in the day. Okay, understood. A lot of relationships do. Did he bang the chick next door? All right. Probably not the best decision, dude. Probably not a good idea to fucking shit where you eat. Or, well, in that case, I'm not any, I mean, well, look, if you split up, that's one thing. I, I don't know how you repair this. I mean, I would like for it to happen. Now, if she's 16 years old in love with that, I, okay, first of all, what, how often does a relationship that, that starts that young ever really work out? Yeah, I know there's there's like my friend uh Mark 
who uh you know he met he you know he met this chicken in high school and that was like his first and whatnot but th- that's that's one thing my buddy Turcott who friggin who married his his high school sweetheart that seemed to be work out but it's not his it's not fucking his sister you know or his half sister or whatever that's different this is like yeah they came from different towns and came from different parents so that needs to be addressed and obviously i think honesty is the best policy here and i think you need to have a sit down with the girl like obviously look she took care of the kiddo for 16 years on her own i guess so there's that thing did she keep a secret from you? Yeah, she did because maybe she thought it was in your best interest to kind of not bring it up because maybe she wanted your relationship to work out with her husband and whatnot. And maybe, you know, one night of squishy is that's okay. That's forgivable, I guess, if you're going to keep the relationship together. At this point, you might as well. So there's that. Now, you had the conversation where you bring it up, you don't get mad at her. You don't get mad at her. You bring it up to her and be like, look, how can we help? So that's one factor is how do you help her? You know, you have your friendships, you're friends with her. The friendship should be stronger than anything else. You know, every friendship goes through trials and tribulations and all that other bullshit, you know. So what's any, why is this one any exception? So that's one thing to consider. So how do you patch that up? Once you patch that up, what do you do about the kids? Like, how do you work that out because that trust is the most important thing. So if we're going to be honest, so if you're going to be honest with your wife, then you need to then the wife needs to be honest with the woman next door. And if we're going to be honest with the woman next door, we need to be honest with the kids. Okay? That's going to be the part that hurts the most. Now, the question is, is how far has this gone? And that's what, that's the big deal. That's like, I don't even think I could really do another fucking Q&A after this one. This one is so layered. This is like the inception of, inse- of, in- of the inception of, this one is like the inception of incest. And neighbors. Jesus Christ. Talk about mowing each other's lawn. I think. You have you have to do it because uh, does it say anything about uh, sat down last night? Explained that she was in love with the sixteen year old neighbor next door. All right, that's gonna be traumatic. That's gonna be super traumatic. You have okay. Let's just assume the fact that they have you know started you know started doing stuff. You have to you have to stop it. Or, well, no. Here, let's put it this way. You have to tell him. You have to tell him, hey, that's your half-brother. All right? Now, here's the other thing on top of that. Deep emotional trauma. And we don't want anything drastic to happen. We don't. We don't. We don't want any, you know, attempts at taking their own lives or dis- self-disgust. Obviously, if the kids should be mad at anyone, they should be mad at the parents. That's the thing. Now, obviously, living a lie is one thing. But look, do you want that trauma to build up? Like, 
Do you want to tell them now and let the trauma subside over time? Or do you want them to hopefully not... Look, you tell a girl not to do something, she's going to fucking do it. Okay? I forbid you to see him. Yeah, that always works out for the best. So the idea that if you want them to, like, see each other and maybe let it fizzle out and then maybe tell them when they're, you know, when they're at the age of 30 that, hey... Remember that guy you fucked in high school and was your first time? Hey, that was your brother. FYI, see you at dinner, sweetheart. Bon voyage So there's that point perspective. Or do you want to kind of, you know, let the cat out of the hat now and just kind of let it go from there? I personally rip the Band-Aid off right now and stop this fucking calamity from going any further. That's what I would do is in this situation is you need to stop this situation now. Start by reconciling with the mom, the single mom, and then work on the work on the kiddos. I I really I really don't know what else you can do beyond that. I get you have to start by telling the truth though. You start by telling the truth and things can at least heal. Obviously tragedies and tragic and terrible situations happen all the time. But by compiling a snowball of lies, it's only going to get worse. Because eventually this is going to come out in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah. Stop it now. Reveal all truths now so that a better path can be laid ahead. Okay. We're at 55 minutes. I can't... I cannot in good conscience, do another one after that. You know what I'll do? Here's what I'll do. For Sunday Leftovers, I'll read the rest of these Q&As. I'll review the rest of these Q&As and do, and do try to do like a couple of them on Sunday Leftovers next, uh, on Sunday, obviously, and go from there. I think that would be a good path to do because the this one was just so layered that it really required some spacing out and some, and some time to think it through because that's a lot to take in. It's a, it's a serious... It's, I mean, it's kind of funny when you think about it, but it's also a very layered and serious matter that needs to be addressed. So, uh, anyways, if you want any questions about the articles that I have, you can go ahead and just hit me up on my email. I'll send you a link. If you email me and you want the links to the articles, I'll send you the links. Uh, if you have questions about posing music, movie reviews, um, anything else, uh, you can email me directly, positivesarcasmatlook.com, or you can slide in my DMs and hit me up that way. No dick pics, please. Um... You can also questions about uh, posing music. Shout out to all the people who requested posing music this week. I really, really appreciate your your support and all that other happy jazz. I mean, I wish all the best. Send me your send me your videos when you hit the stage. Also, but uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on TikTok. And you can also find me on YouTube. Positive sarcasm and positive sarcasm podcast. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, share. If you like the audio version, you can find me on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, tune in, podcast at Castbox, Podbay. Chase, stop touching the microphone. Daddy boy. Anywhere where podcasts are available, please. So until uh, next time, I will uh, talk to you all next week. What are you doing? Stop looking at me like that. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation. <laughs>
support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.